Hey there, it's Jake Wiskirchen back with you on the Noggin Notes podcast. This is episode number 55, and I don't know what the title will be, but I'm sure that Safiso will come up with something very cool. But what we're doing is we're talking about how we're bringing the next generation up into being good, responsible citizens. And two of those programs that do that, John describes and discusses. And I think you're going to find it very interesting because he uses the avenue of athletics to impart this kind of knowledge, both into the coaches and the athletes. Um, I think you're going to like it. I enjoyed it. I'm proud to be partnered with Safe Embrace. Zephyr and Safe Embrace's relationship goes back several years, and this is just one of the new innovative things that they're doing that we're we're going to be a part of, and I'm, I'm very, very happy to have done this interview, and I don't want to spoil it for you, so I'm not going to talk anymore. If you want to check out what we're doing, um, go to zephyrwellness.org, and you can shoot us an email, info at zephyrwellness.org, or info at nogginnotes.com safeembrace.org is where you can find out about John and his programs. Otherwise, I'm just going to sit back and let you listen to this episode as I interview John Malcolm about how we're uh, elevating the next generation. Enjoy. Welcome back, audience. We're here with John Malcolm from Safe Embrace. Hey, John. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing well, but you already know that because we've spent the last hour together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. After a few Arizonas. Yeah, you had an Arizona. I had a uh, sparkling water that was berry flavored. It was delicious. And I don't think the audience really cares too much what we just had to drink. So uh, you and I met uh, just to, to go over some stuff that might be coming down the road with regard to how I might be involved with teaching some athletes and some coaches up ahead. And this all... Um, pertains to your program that you do through Safe Embrace, but I think for our listening audience, we want to uh, explain what Safe Embrace is first. I have repeatedly said in the last few weeks that we are the official, we Zephyr is the official clinical partner for Safe Embrace, but I'm going to let you explain from your point of view what it is because you work there. Yeah, um, so Safe Embrace is, is a nonprofit here in Sparks, Nevada, that's dedicated to giving services to victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. So over the past 25 years, we've been able to provide emergency shelter, transitional housing, outreach groups, support groups, um, therapy, and also providing outreach and prevention education um, on, on, on those subjects. That's awesome. And we're really happy to be involved because what we do is we're going to be giving counseling services in the form of individual sessions and group group sessions and whatnot, uh, both at the shelter itself. I know we don't like to use the term shelter because it sounds like some clapboard lean to made out of corrugated tin, but it's, it's actually a very nice house. It's a, it's a safe house is what it is in a very nice neighborhood on an acre of land. And, um, so we'll be working there as well as at the, at the office for walk-ups too. So you don't have to, you don't have to reside there to, to receive counseling services. What else do you guys do? Um, so like you said, you know, we provide a lot of outreach and our support groups, um, but my position, I do a lot of prevention education. So we're trying to change the generational cycle of what's going on. So I get the job of going out in the community and educating our community on not only just, um, what these issues that we're going through in our area, but how to stop that next generation from having all these issues going on and developing, our next generation to just be better people. And when you're talking about next generation, you mean kids. Absolutely. So the, the population that I educate 
um, and safer place educates in general is our adolescents, um, our middle schoolers and our high schoolers. And you do this specifically by going to um, athletic uh, teams around the, the school district locally here. Correct. So I coordinate the two programs, um, Coaching Boys and the Men, which is geared towards male athletics. And, and we'll a- call that CBIM from now on, Coaching Boys and Two Men. Yep, CBIM and Athletes as Leaders, AAL, um, is geared towards female athletics. So what I get to do is I get to go out throughout the community and train coaches on how to develop their players to be better people. That's pretty awesome, man. And what have you done so far? You you were telling me about some of your latest uh, exploits. You've been in this position, what, 10 months or something? Yeah, so I'll be coming up on my uh, year and event anniversary uh, at the end of the, the fall sports seasons. Um, so what this program does is improves recognition of abusive behavior and encourages bystander intervention um, with their student-athletes. Um, coaches have a pretty incredible rapport with their student-athletes. Um, coaches don't realize they can do a lot more of it than just teach X's and O's. They can actually promote a, a pretty positive message. So that's why these programs are, are supported by the CDC. So each week, these coaches are having guided talks with their players about respect and integrity and accountability and um, communication boundaries and what consent is and rumor spreading and all these things that it doesn't take a talented person to do. You don't have to be the most athletic, the smartest, or um, the most talented. These are all traits that, you know, I believe that are all, you, you don't have, you don't need any talent to do it. Yeah, it's uh, you and I have both coached. You continue to coach. I've, I haven't done it in several years, but you really take on a mentorship role with these kids, and they really start to look up to you. And I, there have been, I mean, we've got stories galore about children, because they are, they're adolescents, but they're children, who lack good male influence if they're boys and good female influence if they're girls and vice versa. And coaches, the, the coaching goes so much more further beyond just simply teaching them how to hit block you know kick uh drive and so um what you're doing with cbim and aal is leveraging that relationship into something that can teach social skills and um you know the bystander intervention you mentioned tell us more about the specifics of what these words mean because we hear these buzzwords all the time like bystander intervention and diffusion of responsibility and that kind of thing so if you would just go into a little bit more detail if you're if you're going to train our listening audience because this is an opportunity to do that Mm -hmm. what would you say to them so what the program does it changes um, the thought of what we think of abusive behaviors are and instead of bystander i like to use the word being an upstandard um you're creating the thought of you know this is from what what's right and what's wrong and what you know maybe other student athletes has heard from other mentors. Um, so coaches need to realize that they have the opportunity to pass on these positive messages. You know, we're not just here for X's and O's. We're here to, to make sure that these kids represent our teams after the game. Um, we're creating, we're creating good citizens is what ab- we're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. And the thing that's so great about this program is we measure the results. Um, in athletics, you know, the numbers don't lie and we're able to do that with a pre and post survey. Um, so this is evidence-based, right? This is That's why the CDC based. supports it. Correct. Yeah. So with the preseason survey, they ask you some questions. So what do you think of disrespectful, disrespectful jokes? What do you think of hitting somebody? Like, So they ranges from not abusive to extremely abusive. And you got some pretty uh, – sorry, I keep interrupting. <laughs> you got no. some pretty surprising results from some of these surveys. You were sharing with me some months ago. Uh, absolutely. We get – 
you you see the thought process of what these athletes or what these kids think is what's okay and what's not okay right now. And unfortunately, it, it makes you step back and realize is you know we're we're kind of fa- we are it's not we're kind of, we are failing as a society to educate the next generation coming up. So we're able to step back and see here are some issues that we need to definitely address. Um, like I said about re- measuring recognition of abusive behavior with bystander intervention, we give out scenarios. What would you do if you're in this situation? Would you intervene or would you not intervene? And we're able to see you know, quite an improvement for a lot of teams where everyone's on the same thought where, you know, as a team, we would intervene individually when we would intervene. So we're able to see the improvement of all these life skills within, within just one season. And to be clear for the audience, we're not talking simply about if you saw a boy harassing a girl in the hallway, it's, it's so much more nuanced and subtle than that for anybody who's ever been in school for any length of time, which I would imagine is our entire listening audience, mm-hmm. we you you understand how teasing and, and picking on, and I mean, we just generically call it bullying, but how these disrespectful behaviors that, sep- that only serve to separate uh, people and create contempt, you, you know how subtle they can be and how harmful they can be when you're going home crying yourself to sleep or having bad dreams or just not wanting to go to school anymore um what you're what you're doing john is what you're you're taking these coaches and these athletes collectively and individually and you're saying given this scenario what would you do and then i guess the idea through the program is that by the end of the program they will have shifted what they would do instead of saying well i'd ignore it because it's not my problem they moved more to a compassionate and interventionist uh, philosophy, which is, well, if I saw a kid getting ridiculed, I'd tell him to, you know, to tell the, the bully not to knock it off, you know, or something like that. Am I get? Am I getting right? That? No, absolutely. You're giving, you're giving. We're empowering these athletes, you know, these student athletes to um, step up and be upstanders. You know, giving them the confidence that you know you can intervene in a certain certain situation. Because, for example, you know. Student athletes, you know, I hate to say it, they all go to parties, right? And if you're in a large group, you're less likely to intervene because it's not my issue. It may be someone else's issue. That's called diffusion of responsibility. It's a it's a psychological term that relates to the the likelihood of people in a group to assume that someone else will do the intervening. And a good example of this is if you see a car broken down on the side of the road and you're driving by, you can just assume that there are many other cars who have already made the phone call to the authorities or the police or whatever, and or the driver, him or herself, may have done that, when in fact none of that may be true. Mm -hmm. So the idea is to take personal accountability and not diffuse responsibility onto others. Right, absolutely. And and that's addressed in the program. The first two topics that these coaches have with their players is respect and personal accountability. And, you know, giving these players the accountability to not only hold themselves accountable but their their teammates for their accountable actions as well so now when you get to that scenario maybe that car is broken on the side of the road or you see something happening you know you know you have the confidence now to intervene and know that i'm intervening because this is the right thing to do and you know i have my morals and norms set right and that's that goes to that uh i guess the the long-standing um cliche it's almost become now where um you know character is what you do when no one's looking Mm-hmm. And and truly in a in a group situation, you're the only one who's looking because you can just as easily dissolve into the into the group and not be accountable. 
But what this is encouraging people to do is step forward, be accountable and say, I am personally going to be responsible for, for doing something about this ill that I see uh, happening in front of me. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. this comes from a, a group, Futures Without Violence. And it's uh, if you want to check it out, it's futureswithoutviolence.org.org, right? Correct. Yeah. And so CBIM, Coaching Boys and Men, and AAL is also part of it, right? So Athletes as Leaders is a um, program that was created out of Harborview out in Seattle, Washington. Um, so that program is a, n- a new program. Futures Without Violence has had the Coaching Boys and the Men's program for the past uh, decade. So check check out uh, futureswithoutviolence.org. And if you just break down the, the very title, we want a future without violence. Um, and we don't really have to debate what violence is. It, generically speaking, it's whenever somebody attacks another person, whether it be physically or, or verbally. So part of this, I'm guessing, is helping the coaches themselves to understand what appropriate language and, and interactions are with their players and, and athletes as well, correct? Correct, absolutely. We You know, you go over different types of... Um, you know, communications and going over communication boundaries and insulting language and things that, you know, we're also training these players, but we're also training these coaches to be better coaches. Um, you know, coaches want to win and you need to have these skills in order to have a successful, a successful ball club. So all these traits that we're going over with the curriculum is not only developing these boys to becoming men, but it's also developing these coaches, these coaches to be better leaders in our community. There's a bit of a parenting philosophy, I think, that comes in here where if you want compliant children, you have to follow what uh, Dr. Christian Conti calls his four C's. And similarly with coaching, you want to almost follow the same type. Uh, the, the four C's, if you hadn't heard on the podcast, is choices, consequences, consistency, and compassion. And I think that the old standard of coaching, which was yelling and screaming and threats and uh, you know throwing kids around and physical <laughs> violence, uh, I don't think that's resonating with, with athletes anymore more we're starting to see this evolution not only because uh, it's not socially just to put up with violence in any form but it's also just not effective leadership so if you want a winning team you may be able to motivate somebody temporarily by yelling at them uh, if there's a perceived threat the the athlete may act but that only goes for so long and what we what we've learned is that neurologically you can't consistently flood somebody's limbic system and expect them to respond that actually creates trauma if you do it for too long so what we're doing is it sounds like we're in your program and then you know hopefully society broadly is we're taking coaches and we're almost teaching them how to to implement parenting skills into their coaching where consistency and compassion matter because what that breeds is more credibility and when you have credibility and you tell your athletes follow a game plan uh pick this this line uh practice these many hours they tend to listen a little bit more because they trust you Mm -hmm. and are you seeing this happen yeah absolutely you know the teams that took part in this program in uh, northern nevada are teams that win um, you look at McQueen High School, you look at uh, Galena High School, you look at Reno High School baseball this past year was part of the, our, our inaugural season. And, you know, those are ball clubs that are consistently producing championships in Northern Nevada. So it takes a winning ball club. Um, you know, addressing the toxic issues that are going on right now in athletics, look at the University of Maryland, right? You know, that football player that just died, right, over, you know, working over heat. I'm not familiar with that. So they had a football player who died of heat stroke, and they didn't call the ambulance for an hour later. Oh wow! And he was seizuring on the field and all this stuff, and you know reports How are coming. How does that happen? Out. Exactly. So all these reports are coming out of a toxic culture, right? So and look at Maryland. I've we haven't heard anything from Maryland football. And I mean, 
yeah, in quite some time. True. But then you look at these other programs. Look at the you know the all time greats, the John Woodens. You know, guys after the game like that guy was. You know, he was not only just a coach to me; he was a parent. And as a coach, especially working with adolescents, and if you're working at a Title One school like a Wooster or a Sparks or a Hug, you know, you have a great opportunity to you know serve as that parent in that positive role model. Um, role you know co- players come up and they self-disclose a, a lot of issues and as a coach you you have to be equipped for that you know we're not here for just x's and o's and, you know i preach that a lot because as a coach you you have you have such a powerful role to develop these kids to be so great after um, they're done with their sports well i think it's easy to dismiss that as saying well that's not part of my job right and and this translates into into the business world as well where uh well, it's not my job to, to parent my my employees uh, if you want good, responsive employees, it might be sometimes to do that, to lend a compassionate ear and to, to seek out resources for the for the hurting party. And coaches, I think, can, can tend to fall into that trap too, where they say, well, I don't have time to listen to Johnny's complaints about his home life. And it's like, well, if you want Johnny to perform, you'd better give him an audience because otherwise he's going to shut down and possibly quit the team and then the whole team suffers, not to mention Johnny as well. And if we're all humans walking this life you know, together, don't we have a responsibility to make sure that everybody's healthy around us? I mean, mm-hmm. at bare minimum, if they're healthy, I don't have to worry about them. You know? Right, absolutely. It gives coaches, you know, these programs the opportunity to you know, show that capacity to their athletes because – you know, it it can be easy for Jess shutting the office door and letting their players talk about you know abusive behaviors that these these athletes do on the weekend, um, but that can cost not only the team for their season, but that can also cost co- or cost that coach's job. You know, having that opportunity to now realize what their players are talking about and being able to you know take a proactive approach in preventing some um, really awful things from happening with their players, um, it, it's huge. So you and I uh, speak this language already, and we're already in the field, and and we understand the value to this. Have you run up against any coaches who say, well, I don't want to have those conversations because it increases my liability? So, for Mm -hmm. example, if I hear about abuse or violence or even uh, home life that's messed up, now I'm I'm accountable, and we saw that at Ohio State, right, where there's uh, some rumors swirling of you know, and we're wondering who knew what and who knew when, and um, why it was or was not reported, and and are you encountering any pushback because coaches simply don't want to take on the liability? No, they're more worried. I think of you know, coaches are worried about the process of who if something did disclose, they're not worried about. Oh, do I have, you know, this and that? It's more of who did I report it to? Did I report it to, you know, Safe Embrace or do I report it to, you know, the school district, you know, where I tell coaches, you know, we are a Safe Embrace, an organization. We're able to, if a kid's family is in an emergency situation, you know, we can possibly provide emergency shelter where they, you know, they still have to go through the school district and, you know, do their job as a mandated reporter. Um, So it's just making these coaches more self-aware of things that, you know, they have to report on. Because worst case scenario, if you don't mandate report, uh, you're not coaching next year. You go to jail anyway. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's awesome. That's nice to know that they're um, they're asking that, those kinds of procedural questions rather than 
uh, being defensive and not wanting to engage in the conversations out of some sort of fear of, um, you know, carrying too big of a burden. Right. What kind of resources do you provide these coaches with regard to that burden? Say they open their door all of a sudden and they, uh, oh, yeah, great. Now I'm empowered to listen to, to Johnny's complaints. But then it's it's Johnny and it's Steve and it's and it's uh, Jake and it's, you know, it's, right. it's everybody. And all of a sudden you turn into a counselor more often than your coach. So exactly. So now with coaches with that resource, they're, you know, they're like, well, all this is going on. How do I train myself to, to handle these situations in? You know, fortunately, you know, we're partnering up with Futures Without Violence to launch um, or have a pilot discussion this upcoming fall with um, Sports for Social Change where we're going over social-emotional learning and athletics and trauma-responsive coaching. So instead of being a deficit-based coach, you're now a strength-based coach. So now you're able to, you know, be more equipped to handle, you know, some of these issues that are going on with our student-athletes. Explain deficit-based versus strength-based in some sort of analogy that I can understand. So a perfect example, so for a deficit-based coach would be, you know, what's wrong with that kid? Strength-based, you know, what's right with that kid? You know, we don't want that kid on our team because he's not, he's going to take their talented kids down. Where in reality as a strength-based coach is that we're going to be able to rise that kid up to compete with the talented kids and also give the opportunity for those talented kids to become role models and leaders for that, you know, that, that athlete that's maybe not up to par of those guys. Does that resonate with people who are in the coaching ranks? Cause it sounds like that requires more effort. You know, it requires more effort, you know, more critical thinking, it, you know, requires more coaches as a, to, to think more of, you know, their coaching styles, you know, they may have to step back when they're yelling at a kid um, realizing, you know, what's going on with that kid? Why is he acting like this? You know, perfect example uh, was even myself. You know, my first year coaching, I was, uh, you know, I was a deficit bay coach. I always wondered what's wrong with that kid? Why is he acting like this? Why is he, you know, just so wild? Um, where in my second year, you know, I had an opportunity to do some PSR and BST work. Uh, we'll That's see. for the listening audience's psychosocial rehabilitation and basic skills training, uh, which are in-home supports. Uh, go on. So I was able to, you know, see what you know what these kids go through at the home and then the second year you know why is this kid oh you know he's not suffering from asthma you know he he has anxiety you know kind of things like that where the first year you're in the dean's office second year you're more in the counselor's office trying to find services for this kid and and, and their families so you know we're trying to get more coaches to have you know that thought process that's awesome and and really the byproduct of that is that if you're focusing your mind on somebody's strengths you tend to look at them in a more positive light which then of course uplifts you as as the observer and i imagine that what's going on is that you're seeing coaches who you know hear this stuff for possibly for the first time and then it's almost like tumblers and a lock click into place and go ah that makes so much sense because it does it's it's Mm -hmm. true uh do, do you encounter anybody who's burning out because they're having to shift gears like this um you know we haven't really too much i I think more coaches are more like i want to learn more about this i want to learn more about these kind of trainings how can i equip myself to be you know better because these coaches you know they're just like athletes they want to be the best at everything so they'll do you know they're all competitive at heart they want to just be better and then they they see this avenue and how it can improve not only them as you know people and coaches but how it can improve their student athletes to be better and you know on and off the field you know coaches are more eager and learning more about mental health issues, how to communicate with kids, how to use different um, communication styles. You know, there's, you know, these coaches are, you know, more excited about there's finally trainings to, for these coaches that are actually applicable to their, their line of work. 
Yeah, gee, if only you knew an agency that could partner with Safe Embrace to teach clinical skills to these coaches. Oh, wait, Zephyr Wellness. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I look forward to, to helping out with that some more down the road. We've got a, a wonderful team, I think, who will all be willing to volunteer uh, to do this kind of stuff. Because ultimately, we all win. You know, mm -hmm. when, when people are healthier, we all elevate. You know, sports play a huge role in society. And, you know, I've been very blessed at Safe Embrace that – um, they realize that, you know, we can, you know, change our culture and, you know, change the next generation coming up through athletics and, you know, taking this program out to, you know, even outside the athletic program or athletic platform, going to, you know, youth detention centers, youth rehab centers, you know, being able to get this message across to, you know, the next generation is coming up. You know, I've been very fortunate to safe embrace that they've been given, um, our outreach team, the opportunity to continue to do this. Yeah, I think as we think about, you know, the children, save the children, um, why? Well, because they're going to be changing my diapers when I'm old. Exactly. <laughs> but, but truly, we want to empower children to be healthy themselves, you know. And like you said, athletics is a great avenue by which we do that, and it's a, it's a nice door to, to squeak through, but then to reach out to other areas i think is is crucial and you're already doing that in many cases uh across what three or four counties now correct yeah so we've been a, we've been fortunate enough to um hold workshops for uh, rural advocates to come in and train to trainer on you know on the outreach and prevention education we do you know we've have great working partnerships with a lot of prevention education programs outside of washoe county and been able to collaborate with them um, in order to accomplish the same goal you know unfortunately at nevada uh, you know, we're the best at the worst. And in order to change that, we, you know, as a state have to all come together, no matter what county you're living in, um, in order to attack, um, you know, some of these issues that are going on. And if we're, if we strip all the warm and fuzzy stuff away, because this all sounds and feels very good. Um, there's a practical aspect to this, which is healthy citizens produce great economy. And even if you don't care about that, Maybe you care about how much drain the unhealthy citizens have upon the economy. So you're talking about juvenile justice systems, which then if, if a child doesn't rehabilitate through the, through the ju juvenile justice system, through a program like yours, or through counseling and psychotherapy, what ends up happening is they end up in the adult justice system, which costs money. And so as concerned citizens who may be listening to this podcast, we have a real reason to invest this type of education into our children and our adults. I mean, we'd like to see some prison reform, of course, too, because it doesn't do any good to lock people away and then release them with the same skill set with which they entered. They're just going to go back. Mm -hmm. And when they go back, they, they take more resources with them and they hurt more people along the way. So we have a, an investment. So if you're listening to this and you want to support this program for the for those reasons or any other altruistic reasons, Check out safeembrace.org. They'll be happy to take your donations of any uh, size or, or style. And uh, futureswithoutviolence.org uh, will be happy to, to take donations as well. Or you can write personal checks to me or John Malcolm, uh, care of Zephyr Wellness. Sort of kidding, but no, not really. Not, not kidding. <laughs> you can go buy all the Arizona iced teas you want. Exactly. I really appreciate you taking the time for this. It was kind of on a lark. We were just talking, and I was like, hey, uh, i got to do a podcast. Hey, wait, you want to do a podcast? And so thanks, man. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. You know, we, you know, all of us at Safe Embrace really appreciate the, the relationship that we have here at Zephyr. And um, we're looking forward to continuing that.
Thanks. You, you're an excellent ambassador for it. So appreciate you. And um, if, you, if you're listening and you're so motivated, I invite you to give us a rating and review on iTunes and Google Play because that helps drive listenership. I mean, give us a high rating, obviously. Uh, that'll help drive listenership. You give us a low rating, nobody wants to listen. But, uh, you know, we just do this stuff for free because we, we believe it just needs to get out in the community's hands. It uh, doesn't do a lot of good locked up inside our heads. So if you're motivated uh, within your own community outside the northern Nevada area, uh, look look into this uh, CBIM and AAL uh, program stuff and maybe try to implement it in your own neighborhood. Um, if, and if you're in northern Nevada and you want to reach out and help, uh, contact John. They can they can reach you at CBIM at safeembrace.org. Correct. That's our email. Or you can use our general email at our email at info. Uh, at safeembrace.org. Yeah, and if you want to reach us with questions or comments, info at zephyrwellness.org or info at nogginnotes.com. So on behalf of the Zephyr Wellness family, the Safe Embrace family, uh, the Noggin Notes team, I thank you all for listening along, and I wish you great mental wellness. We'll see you in a week. Bye-bye.